Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and Alex Garashenko, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success, and in season two, discuss the future of marketing. Today, I have Jack Munson, the CEO of Brand J, a marketing agency that creates breakthroughs in sales results, generates cost-effective franchise campaigns, and builds some of the highest-performing franchise recruitment websites in the industry. Welcome, Jack. Thank you for having me. Hey, Josh. Hey, Alex. How are you? And I got to say, just just to continue the conversation we had right before this about cursing on a podcast, we didn't say your name and then ask. So that, that was an option that we put up there. So, um, right. I've got I've got Carlin seven words you can't say on radio ready to go. <laughs> we were uh, right before just for all the listeners we were talking about. Uh, I guess you're allowed to curse a little bit more on TV now, and we allow cursing here, but it rarely happens. So. Um, so where I do want to start is something I found in your Instagram, uh, where you wrote you're a collector of odd friends, um, which yeah. obviously naturally piqued my interest. So uh, <laughs> what does that mean to you? You know, I I enjoy people who are outliers, who are a little bit outside of the norm, who who bring something different to the dinner party than everyone else. And I think that kind of goes into my agency life as well. We work with a lot of clients who are as we refer to them, franchise freaks, uh, because they're brands that maybe somebody else couldn't quite get something going with. You know, we're, we're all kind of like shelter dogs at some point where um, somebody else gave up on it and somebody from our team came along and said, I think we could do something with that guy. So, so yeah, I like to, I like to have very different people in my life. People talk about diversity um, in, uh, in in the workplace and and in your work and everything i like diversity in my friend group i i like that i i think especially if you're starting a new company um speaking just going off of that diversity thing that you said um i've always thought that it's very important not just to be you know diverse in looks and gender and all that kind of stuff but more importantly diversity in thought um i think when you get too many people that are saying the same thing you're not getting all the opinions and you're not choosing the best one um but you know it it leads to a lot more hopefully polite conversation and and thoughtful conversation but it does lead to more conflict because you do have people with differing ideas on what this brand should be or what our clients should do with their marketing spend or you know what are the the best channels for them for 2024 so having some of that conversation is way better than all of us just saying yep we're going to do everything the way we've always done it because that's what worked five years ago um i'm here to say that what worked five years ago will not work next year it Mm. just won't nothing that's great it sparks creativity when someone Mm -hmm. comes in kind of out of left field something that's natural to them but you've never considered because it's not part of your world. And it's, uh, I think that's where some of the best ideas come from. Probably all best ideas come from that. You know, you take someone, we have this a lot. You take someone where, um, they're, let's say just a pure creative, but not much in the analytical space. And they say something and some to someone who's analytical and has logic and process. And that, you know, that sparks something new because they're able to put some kind of grounding or make connections, um, to what this maybe outlandish idea could be. Yeah. And and I love what you guys are doing with agency uh, CEOs and founders and owners, because I think that's where this happens, right? If you're working for a huge corporation and you're in a team of 
20 other people who are also creatives, or if you're in a team of 20 other people who are also salespeople, right? Mm -hmm. Or 20 other people who are also accountants, you're not going to learn not just new skills, but new ways of looking at things, right? Getting the creatives to think about the business end of, of, you know, helping a client and getting the salespeople on the creative end of this is why this is working better for a client as opposed to that creative over there or that copy or something like that. So I think when you have a small group that's very diverse, people grow much faster. They grow their skill set. They grow their interest. They might think, you know, maybe I'd like to get on a, a marketing or sales team someday, right? Or, or maybe I would like to try my hand at creating some content, right? If, if it's a salesperson, um, by the way, the best thing any salesperson can do is create their own content, right? Don't have your company do it. Don't have mm-hmm. your agency do it. Write your own blog, do your own podcast, make your own Instagram reels, make your own TikTok videos, whatever, like get out there and create some stuff. You're going to see what your clients need to do. You're going to see what your teammates are doing all day. And and I think that's real growth for people working at an agency is trying lots of different things and not just being in the account managers meeting, right? Or the marketing meeting um, or the content meeting, but like get everybody involved in lots of different things and, and, and see where they grow. Are you saying that from a um, purely development standpoint for the salesperson or also in terms of potentially how their message will be received? I, I think a little bit of both, but it's an interesting point of how their message is received. I think in the marketing agency world, in lots of industries, we've got a lot of people who are, the analogy I always use is selling cars, but they don't know how to drive, right? And and if you're going to be out there promoting a marketing agency and promoting these clients, you might want to know how to, how a website works fundamentally, right? You might want to know what it's like to come up with a 600 word blog, right? You might want to show yourself on some videos. Um, your clients are going to love that, right? They're actually going to look at you with and see that you've got some street cred, right? That you actually have done some of this before. So I think the days of that's the sales team over there, and this is the creative team over there, and the accountants are in some other building, we hope. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, but I think those days are gone. Everybody's got to be um, involved in to some extent. And I think where it really works is not just if a salesperson or you know some other business person um, creates content just to sell more stuff, but do something about something you're passionate about. You know, maybe you're really into music or, or uh, Josh, I would assume you're into bicycling, right? Or, or it's some sort of art or something like that. Like, like do something content creative wise that, that you can really get into. Um, and, and I think that will, that will help develop that person. It will also show everybody that they're in business with that they know what they're talking about when it comes to, Here's some content you might want to consider. 
Interesting. I have, I have a few notes on on what you guys were saying. One, uh, you know, I came from the sales world, and I usually have a call sheet for my for my first discovery call or even the second call. Um, and I used to just sometimes be lazy and be like, you know, someone else, can you kind of create this for me, and then uh, and then I'll use it. And and you realize you get to that, especially the first ten times you're using it, and you're realizing, oh, there's so many things that aren't in here, and and you just have to go back to yourself and say, well, I, I guess I could have done this from the beginning. And um, the uh, similar, you know. That's that's me being very in tuned with the the sales process, but also our website. We had a website where you know we thought we knew what we wanted to put on the website, but based on what I was hearing from people that I was speaking to, I knew that our website was off. And that's you know some some silly sales guy getting involved in the website design process, um, which is kind of bringing those two together. And then I think it was Steve Jobs. Uh, I used to be obsessed with him, and he was. Uh, all about ending silos in the company. So he saw, I mean, I'm just repeating exactly what you said. He said, why is the marketing team in a different room than the development team? You're like, obviously they should be all talking together. And and you see like videos of these, of, of old videos of him in the room. And it's all the people, you know, when the company was like 15 people, but they're all together and they're all sharing, oh, I'm a marketing person, but let me give this opinion on accounting. Uh, sure, the accountant still has the final decision, but here's here's another opinion. Um, and, you know, how many books and everything have we seen about failure and disagreeing properly? But at the end of the day, it's easier said than done. It's not easy to to disagree properly with each other, right? Like at the, at the, its base, you are disagreeing. You are you are not on the same page. Um, so building structure around that, I think, is really important. And then the last thing I would say on this is, um, and feel free to add to it, but my Myers-Briggs is the debater. Um, it's ENTP. Uh, and it was, it was actually really nice reading it for the first time because I've always argued with people my entire life. Um, and, and I didn't really know why. And it just was me. And sometimes it would be like, it would be upsetting to me. Um, and then I realized reading it and it was, it was totally on point that I just want everyone to get all perspectives. I will argue something that I don't even truly believe in just to make sure that we have a full circle around this conversation and we're, we're seeing all the points. So, uh, just a few notes that I added there. Any, anything to add on those? Yeah, you, you'd be terrible at cable news, right? Because <laughs> uh, you, you can only give one side depending upon which channel you're on. So mm -hmm. I think I like that idea of being the debater, though, because someday, and, and that's probably already happened with you, Josh, it gets you to the point where you go from player to coach. Mm. And the best coach can be a debater, right? Because they're going to, they're going to, make you argue your side of why I'm doing it this way. And then they're going to help you do it better and, and make that, you know, come from inside. It's, it's a little less than somebody who's just going to walk in and, and show you how to do it and just do it this way and forget it. But if you're actually debating with someone and going back and forth, you're going to pull out the best from that person. And I think that's what good coaching is. Uh, except for a lot of pissed off friends of growing up, but yes, uh, now in a professional <laughs> setting, you know what? That's okay. If if they <laughs> if they didn't value what you were trying to sure. <laughs> help help them uh, uh, grow with, then you know, see ya. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess at, at a at a certain point, because I have I have a friend that can debate really passionately um, to the point where we just sometimes need to take we would just put a stop and then revisit it one or two days later um so i think there's um my wife is a teacher and she said um she has this quote that she uses um she says every child can learn just not in the same way and not on the same day mm. so at a certain point you know i i agree i i love the debater role and i think it it, it opens us up to seeing different angles um and it's great to 
take that persona of someone who's going to, you know, challenge. Um, I think with running teams um, at certain points, you need to kind of push the brakes and say, okay, let's stop this here and then come back to it maybe at a different time. Yeah. If you're not a good debater, you, you can't be an ambassador for the brand, right? A lot of people think this brand ambassador title, which I'm not sure when that was created, but it seems to be everywhere now. Um, a lot of people think that that's just this glorified, I get to be a cool influencer and talk about this brand all day. What it really is, is you've got to go in there and, and pitch constantly, right? You've got to talk about the brand and show the brand in the best light. And a lot of that is taking um, taking on someone else's ideas on why that's not so, right? So an ambassador is is a good salesperson, or maybe I should say a salesperson is a great ambassador because you're not just out pitching, right? It's it's you're going back and forth constantly, and and you've got to you've got to you know take your hits as well, and you've got to take what a competitor is throwing at you or what the client's throwing back saying this is no good. We want to do it another way. Um, you know, you've got to be able to take that and and go back and forth with them like a debate and hopefully come to a resolution where you're not necessarily all agreeing on everything, but you're, you're willing to move forward for the good of the brand or the client or the project. Well, that's, that's an important, I didn't think we would get stuck on this, but I, I like this topic. Um, <laughs> that's important because, you know, you're not always going to agree with the decision that's made, whether it's one other person or a team of other people. Um, but I think having, and I'm speaking from a very personal thing right now. Uh, I think, I think um, you need to, you hire the person to be in that position. So at the end of the day, whoever's in that position should be able to make the final decision and you should go along with that. Um, it's when there's a, some kind of wrinkle in that process that things usually start to go downhill. Um, so no, I think that's really important. Um, before getting into brand J, I actually want to go back to your first job, uh, which was music director at a radio station. And if anyone can hear already, you just have like an incredible radio voice. Oh, you're um, my new best friend. Thank you. <laughs> and you also host podcasts, which we'll get to in a second, hopefully. Um, but did you always want to be in radio and, and did that yeah. actually teach you yeah. about marketing? Uh, you know, it taught me everything about marketing because you're, you're dealing with mass audiences and you get a tiny little bit of feedback, right? Mm. You, you're broadcasting to hundreds of thousands of people at times, um, in, in some cases, millions of people, and they're receiving your message about you, your radio station, your advertisers, your the bands you're playing, right? They're receiving all of your information. And you get this tiny glimpse every once in a while about what that audience actually thinks and cares about, right? Maybe it's, you know, back in the old days of the nineties, this was, uh, this was, you know, someone calling into the radio station, or then it moved into maybe some social media interaction or, or talking to listeners at live events. You know, if you're in radio, especially rock radio back in the old days, you would do a lot of events at rock concerts before and after or at bars or places like that. Right. And, um, and you would get some feedback from the listeners who would tell you, you know, why Nirvana is better than Pearl Jam or whatever. Right. And, and so you would get just a tiny glimpse. And that was before we had this social media machine now where 
you get instant feedback and everybody has their opinion going a hundred percent all day long. Right. So I think, I think radio in particular, and maybe television too, radio kind of moved a lot of really talented people into social media and other types of digital marketing, because it's all about, um, you know, trying to figure out what that audience wants, maybe without a lot of data, right? And and putting out more and more messages constantly. You know, radio guy has to talk for four or five hours straight every day. Think about that. You know, I I do I do three hours of podcasting in a week and I'm exhausted, right? <laughs> I used to do five hours a day. Um but um but think about that. You 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 have to put out a lot of stuff with a little bit of feedback, change those messages quickly, right? Just like with digital marketing now. And also, I always say this, anybody who who wrote TV or radio commercials in 15 or 30 second intervals is awesome at digital marketing and social media, because it's about taking this big thing, this story that the client wants to put every word in the dictionary in there and make it, you know, an hour long. And it's like, okay, how do we boil that down to 15 seconds? Right. And, and that to me is what digital marketing and storytelling in social media is right now is taking this big story, boiling it down to a headline and a little bit of information to keep them engaged. And, um, and that's kind of my radio to marketing transition that I went through that transition myself back in late nineties and, you know, kind of early two thousands, right. When social media was, was, you know, sort of in its dawn. So, uh, Nirvana or Pearl Jam, which one? No, Nirvana. Okay. Good. Yeah, you said it first. So I, just, I, just, I was going to put like Foo no, Fighters love in there Pearl too. Jam, love Pearl Jam, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, every, every decade or every generation has that argument with, with someone. Right. I, I hear what you're saying though. Uh, you know, without like, you don't get a lot of feedback. Um, I did notice that I, I used to listen to a lot of the, these episodes, not because I wanted to hear my voice at all. And that's actually why I don't anymore, but you, you already had, like, if you listen to podcasts, you already have that ear of what you think is good and what you don't think is good. Um, mm -hmm. and it was, it was actually pretty easy to say like, oh, you know, I don't like when people do that on podcasts, like I should stop doing that. Um, so I, I think, you know, when you don't have that opinion, or, or those opinions coming at you, I guess it helps to at least have had that ear before you even started um, to hopefully curb some of the, some of the ways you can get better. Um, but to take a step back, uh, congrats, you were named CEO in February this year, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about brand J and how you got the CEO job? Yeah, it's a, it's an agency that's been around for about 15 years and I've known the agency and uh, and the principals there the entire time. Um, at one point, they were a customer of mine. At one point, I was a customer of theirs. I've been friends with the founder for many years. And um, uh, suddenly last year, uh, the founder decided to start a few other companies and got really busy with some of those things. And he asked me to come in and step in. So it was an easy it was an easy answer to say yes, because I had already been working the previous year with um, several people on the team, just helping them with a few projects and doing some consulting too. So I knew it was a talented team that was in 
what I consider the right space with the right focus and the right industry at the right time for kind of where we are in the economy. Can we can we double click on all of that and and basically sure. you know how did you initially work with them how were they your customer how and vice versa and then how did that like very specific you know I'm sure there maybe there was an interview process or at least maybe there's one other person or whatever it was like how did it go from you know customer what did that relationship look like and then how did they decide okay you're the right person for CEO you know it's interesting we're all in the same industry which we can discuss a little bit here is it, we we refer to it as an industry, but it's actually a business structure called franchising, right? So think of when you think of franchising, what's the first brand that you think of? Burger King. Burger King. Very good. Most people Donald's say McDonald's, but I always I, went to I, Burger, Burger King's King. good. Subway, right? Um, so there's a lot of brands out there that are franchises and part of uh, franchise marketing is not just marketing these really big restaurant chains and uh, serving all of their locations and customers and trying to get more people to come in to buy a burger. Um, but it's also marketing that brand to new people who might be interested in opening up their own restaurant and, and getting that message out and sharing those opportunities. And it's not just McDonald's and Burger King. There's about 7,000 franchise brands in the U.S. and Canada. And a lot of them are not 5,000 restaurants strong. A lot of them are five, 10, maybe a hundred local units and, and a lot of franchise marketing that, that we've, we do at brand J and that I've done for many years is finding new people that would be interested in becoming a, a business owner and partnering with whether it's Burger King or some small startup and partnering with them and owning their own business under this brand, right? So we're marketing the brand, but we're also helping to helping with the marketing for dozens or hundreds or thousands of, of local restaurants too. So the brand J folks and I, and sort of this whole community of people have been in this world of franchise marketing for a long time. And, um, I guess like any industry, I'm, I'm sure healthcare is this way. I know automotive is this way. And I know the music industry is this way. You kind of have that circle of people that you go to, right? They get it. They understand the jargon. They understand the ins and outs of what's going on with the brands, what's going on in industry developments in the franchise industry. There's a lot of things going on with the government. Um, everything's tied to the economy, right? I guess all brands are. Um, so, so it is kind of a small circle, even though there's 7,000 brands out there, there's a, there's a pretty tight knit little group of people who myself and some of my friends look at as really experts in how to market a franchise. There's a lot of marketing people out there who are far smarter than me when it comes to marketing a brand, but they don't know anything about marketing this specific type of business, right? So it's a pretty small group and, um, and, you know, we, we welcome new people into that group. There are new marketing agencies starting up all the time. Um, I think that's terrific. Uh, I, I love talking to those people and maybe mentoring them as well, because you never know where that's going to lead. Um, but yeah, it is a pretty small sphere uh, in this marketing space where the brand J folks and I and a few others have been living for a long time. 
is the um, is the marketing would you consider it from the brand to their potential new franchisee owners like a b2c model or is there a lot of crossover um on your end for brand j with the um uh with some of the brokers and does that become it's, like the franchise brokers and that a, more a, of a b2b great question yeah even even if you look at it as a b2c model it really is a b2b right because even though it is not someone who's maybe already in the industry it's someone who is actually buying a business right it's it's the it's the largest investment they're ever going to make and unless they bought a you know multi-million dollar house someday right so we they are consumers but we actually treat them like it's a b2b model right um they're looking at lots of options no one just says you know i think i'd like to buy a taco john's restaurant right no one just suddenly one day says i want to do that they're looking at lots of options should i buy taco bell should i buy taco john's should i buy velvet taco should i buy rusty taco should i buy you know whatever new uh taco place pops up next month right do i want to buy a legacy brand and invest in something that is already world renowned and and has a lot of marketing support and brand equity out there or do i invest in one of my favorite new brands i'll, I'll mention them here barrio queen they're out of arizona they've got five or six locations now and they just started franchising so you're going to see them pop up in other cities it is the best damn mexican food i've ever had in my life it is so so good is it called again barrio queen they're based in Phoenix. I can't wait till someone opens one up here in Chicago because they're going to have <laughs> they're going to have a loyal customer on day one. Um, but that's a big decision for someone to make. Do I go with a legacy brand? Do I go with something that is a little bit more expensive and it's going to be a huge build out? Or do I get something that's a little easier to start, like a small taco stand, or maybe it's a food truck, right? Like, I think that's the interesting part to me that all of the people out there who are interested in owning their own business, they all have different um, reasons for wanting to do so. They all have different, you know, sort of levels of investment. They all have um, different backgrounds. You know, nobody, nobody grows up saying, someday i'm going to invest in a taco franchise right you know most people are coming from another part of their life and they're like now i want to own my own thing and i think that's that's where this entire industry has really skyrocketed in the past few years mm. because so many people don't want to work for you know Microsoft, General Electric, whatever healthcare company, whoever, they don't want to do that anymore. They would love to own their own restaurant or coffee shop or um spa, right? Or or you know, there's lots of different types of businesses that someone can own now. Especially of, if it, um, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I was going to say especially if it includes food and free massages and everything. So, that was <laughs> a good comment all yeah. year, Alan. <laughs> In terms yeah. of the um 
the the buyer's journey or the business's journey where where in the journey are you usually marketing to them it's i would imagine it's after they've made the decision i want to own something but then what else do they have to do essentially to get on your radar um it can be both we we really see two different types of buyers out there for for buying a business there are the traditional ones who are sort of uh serial entrepreneurs right we see a lot of those folks and i started my first business when i was 17 years old and then i started this other thing when i was 25 and those people um alex you mentioned business brokers or franchise brokers those people are on their radar pretty well right they're they're the people who go to trade shows and expos and things like that they're the people who fill out forms when they see something interesting that they that they want to get more information on so that's kind of a traditional buyer um there's lots of them out there and and you know they typically know what they're looking for they know how to buy a business um maybe they've owned one before maybe it failed maybe it succeeded and they're they're growing their empire lots of different scenarios there then there's a second kind of buyer and this is something that i think the brand j folks and i are really good at reaching it's the people who haven't made that decision yet that i want to buy a restaurant or a coffee shop or a massage salon or a studio they're the people who might want something different in life than what they have right now but they're not sure what that is and they're not going to these websites where you can look at listings of things that are for sale, right? They're not reading the the back pages of the Wall Street Journal. They're not going to trade shows and things like that. What they are doing all day long, just like the rest of us, is they're looking at Instagram and they're looking at TikTok. And some of them, more than you think, are still looking at Facebook and they're looking at LinkedIn and they're reading blogs, and they're listening to podcasts, right? And they might not know that buying a taco shop would be a great move for them. So we put out a lot of content, not really pitching this idea of, hey, you should come buy a taco shop. But we put out a lot of content just like, this is what it's like to run a taco shop, right? We do that in video uh, both long, more documentary style stuff, but also now short form video. We do that on podcasts. We do a lot of it in the written word uh, via blogs and articles. And this is what it's like to own your own taco shop. Hmm. And let's take a look at Alex, who's uh, who's an owner of this particular taco shop brand in another city. And this is what he does all day, right? He 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 works with his team and he grows his team and then he works on things with the cooks and then he works on you know other other business issues and then he works on a little marketing and, and and then he goes home and and coaches his daughter's basketball team right those are the little stories of business ownership that i love right the the fake ones that you see all the time of the Gary V generation, as I like to call them, are all of the people who post themselves on Instagram or other places with some car that they obviously cannot afford, right? <laughs> and, you know, I was a millionaire by the time I was 23 years old, right? And, and those are the stories that I think 
do a lot of damage to people who are serious about growing their own business. So we like to tell the other stories, you know, that I'm not driving a Lamborghini, right? But I'm growing this business and I'm taking care of my family and I really love what I do and I love working with people or I love working with food, right? Or or whatever that person is really passionate about. Telling those stories, that's how you share content about brands, about business ownership and about, you know, doing things a little differently than just going to your cubicle job every day. You mentioned, uh, you know, advertising on social and blogs and podcasts and kind of hitting people a little bit where where they are, which is different now than it used to be. And to kind of just focus a question or two on the future of marketing, what, you know, what changes either have you seen since you started being CEO or what changes do you see moving forward in the franchise space regarding marketing? I think this year we've really been awakened to the idea that we're shifting from websites and Google to what's next. And and that hasn't been clearly defined yet, but where I think it's going is short form video, mm-hmm. right? And And not necessarily counting on driving traffic to a website. Still very important, especially for a B2B brand where someone's going to go look at your website, so it better be good, and it better have all the information they're looking for before they decide to buy that taco shop, right? You've got to have all of that stuff out there, nice and transparent, so the the prospective buyers know exactly what they're looking at. However, that's not going to draw people in on day one, right? So being out there in all of the places, Josh, that you just mentioned, Instagram, TikTok, and and whatever's next, right? Um, being out there to tell those little stories is the way to sort of get them at the top of the funnel. And then the the website and and other types of content are really for further down in the funnel while they're doing their research and maybe choosing between brand A and brand B. But yeah, I think the the this year has been a real eye opener in that the way brands have been doing this for 10 15 maybe longer years um those days are done um we've seen a huge shift in the way people are looking at businesses and business ownership and a lot of that had to do with the pandemic right nobody there, there's a huge group of people who i think 10 years from now when you interview them you know what made you want to own your own businesses or start your first pizza restaurant that now you have 15 pizza restaurants and and their answer is going to be the pandemic right i was i was working for you know a company incorporated and uh you know i got laid off a few years ago and then i got this job and then the pandemic hit i got laid off again and I'm tired of getting laid off. I'm tired of getting getting my future decided by somebody else's spreadsheet, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's this whole generation of people who they haven't even gotten to their 30s or 40s yet. And they've already mm-hmm. made that shift that people from my generation made when they hit 40 or, or above that, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I'm, I'm tired of... of 
being somebody else's um, pawn or tool or, you know, number on a spreadsheet, I want to do my own thing. Right. And, and I I wrote an article recently where um, I'm calling it the great resistance, you know, and I think that's kind of a movement that, that is happening right now. So come join the resistance. Interesting. I'm sure Alex has been in that same boat and that's a mentality that I've always had. Um, I, you know, I started two companies and right now I'm working for someone else and, and I'm already itching to get back. And a lot of it is, you know, I've been laid off. I don't think I've been fired, but I've been laid off. Uh, my dad's got laid off and you see that and you're like, well, let me put my my own future into my own hands kind of thing. Um, and I want to squeeze. I, I know we're, we're coming up to the end and I do have a few questions that I, I tend to ask at the end, but I have to squeeze in one more question um, because we're coming up to our third season where we're going to focus a lot on building a community. And mm-hmm. I forget where I saw this, if it was on LinkedIn or social media or whatever. Um, but you like to focus on being a connector and building relationships. And we kind of talked about this on our on our first call. So I wanted to get this in. But why do you think it's important? Uh, and what do you think is like the secret to networking? Um, the secret to networking is networking when you don't need to. Right. Too many people will want to network with you when they need something. Right. When they're looking for a new job. Or they want to be a guest on your podcast. I get that all the time. And it's like, if you would have wanted to build that relationship up with me a year or two ago, I could help you a lot more, right? Mm -hmm. But the time to start networking isn't when you've made a decision to move on. It's to start early. So whatever industry you're in, get involved with people from that industry if there's an association or group or something like that, get involved. I'm very involved in the International Franchise Association. I'm involved in a few other um, associations and I go to some events for like some restaurant associations and things like that. But those are the people who you need to network with now before you're looking for a job or, or before you're thinking about starting your own agency. And now you're going to go out and find some clients. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. build your community to the size that when you do take over an agency as CEO or you start your own agency, there's a group of people who might already want to work with you because they know you, they trust you, you put out good information, they want to hear more from you. Don't just start your agency and then start making cold calls. It's going to be a, a, a really cold winter, right? Um, so, so making those connections early and I, I put this on my social media, Josh, this is probably where you saw it, that I like to be a connector. I want to connect you with your next business partner, right? I want to connect you with your next client. Or if you're a franchise brand, I want to connect you with your next franchisee. There's not a lot of payoff in that right away, right? It's not like I'm going to connect you with somebody who you're going to hire tomorrow because they're a great employee and you're not going to say, hey, thanks for that. Here's a thousand dollars. It doesn't work that way. But someday when I'm looking to hire someone or I'm looking for a new client or something, you might return the favor or you, you know, we've built this trusting friendship and, and we reciprocate, you know, that's really to me what making those connections is all about. So do it early, reach out to people who cannot, who who cannot help you right now. Right. And, and take their calls and connect with them and, and build a relationship. Maybe someday they can help you. Maybe someday you can help them, 
um, you know, it's not just a pay to play kind of thing, but it's if you build enough relationships and build your network big enough, at some point that will be an advantage for you. Well, let's, yeah, there's, in I our, think you're going to say the same our, thing. I'm, I am Alex. So, yeah. In our uh, discovery call, you had mentioned that the goal of a podcast should be to get the listener to reach out and ask questions. I think yeah. that, yeah, as, and as, as you were saying this, it resonates the same in building relationships because that's the, right. You, you build enough, um, of an impact where you become a resource and that person will yeah. reach out and ask you. And then you can hopefully do the same with them when the time yeah. comes. Yeah. If you're putting out a lot of content and people aren't asking questions or following up and asking more, they're not paying attention, right? They're, they're if, if all of your comments are great article thanks right cool awesome right then you're missing something you know you you want to invoke a little bit more of of some engagement and some people asking more about it so well let's use the evolution of this podcast as an example of that we you know we had a very in specific reason of, of starting the podcast but as it grew and as we built the guest list um it wasn't even just the listeners that you're saying we were hearing other people saying oh you know i need these services i can provide these services and we kind of put those notes and thoughts together and said oh can we actually start and that's where the community came from it was not the in initial intention of the podcast but we said now we have this nice group of of marketing agency owners um not all, all of them are are full service so some of them are going to need a photographer some of them are going to need um a franchisee marketing and, and things like that and we said okay let's let's kind of start this community in that way um so even even in my mind you know like i am debating starting a sales agency and just to go exactly what you just said right like sure i'm sure i'll do cold out outreach at some point but i have this group of people that i've already talked to they're warm they've been on the, the podcast it doesn't even have to be a sale it's more of like hey this is what i'm doing if there's any interest in your, your need uh reach back out to me and at the end of the day, you know, I'm only, this is only going to be a company if there's actually a need. So, um, so yeah. I think that was really, really interesting, uh, to jump into a few questions I tend to ask at the end, I might need to skip a few of these, but we will see. Um, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? If I had to teach, I think I would, um, I would like to teach more people about podcasting. I, I know that's kind of an easy answer. But there's a lot of people out there who are starting podcasts, and I think that's terrific. Start a podcast, please. It's still the community's still growing, the industry's still growing. There's still more need for more good content. But I think there are some sort of basic do's and don'ts. And and this isn't because I'm so smart, it's because I've made a lot of mistakes, right? And and I think I would I would love to teach more people about getting a podcast going and and some things maybe to avoid. Perfect. Um, how can you work with other marketing agencies and what services can you like partner with other agencies? That's a great question. There are so many things that we don't do, and there are so many things that we do that they don't do. And I think that's kind of the place to start. Um, I've partnered with a, a couple of PR firms recently, mm. and we're just kind of getting things going there because we don't really do public relations. That's not or media relations. We don't bang out phone calls to journalists. Don't do that whatsoever. Um, but there's a need for that, in, especially even in some, some B2B situations. So instead of me saying, hey, let's start a PR agency arm and hire people and 
take two years to get that up and running. Ugh, right? I'd rather just partner with somebody. And and same with some creative services that maybe they do that we don't do or vice versa. Perfect. Um, and by the way, we were, our plan is to use that little clip, uh, for this community. So if anyone okay, needs great. services or vice oh, versa, cool. Love that's that. really kind of why we're asking that question. Uh, another yeah, Alex question uh, well, you, Alex. On, on, on the flip side of that. Um, what do other agencies tend to reach out to you for that usually they don't do? Oh, that's really good. Um, even in the franchising space, there's a lot of agencies that, that I know and love who do a lot of consumer marketing. We're really focused on developing new franchises, sort of that B2B sale. So there, there is some, some connecting that can happen there between a client that needs some help on the consumer side that I might say, you know what? These guys over here would be a better fit for you. And then they might say, Oh, you're trying to sell and develop more franchise systems. You might want to talk to Jack instead of us. So that's it. it so that's, um, not necessarily a skill set thing, but just where are we focused? Right. And because I think biggest thing that some agencies get wrong is they're not focused on doing one, two, three, or four things really well. They're trying to do 75 things and nobody does 75 things well. Right. So find the things that you're really good at, focus on that, and then maybe partner up with some other agencies to, to help with the other things. The analogy I've used in the past on, on this show is uh, usually when you walk into a restaurant and there's a huge menu, it usually means all the food isn't going to be great. However, <laughs> right. when you see a menu with not a lot of items, it usually means everything on there is going to be spectacular. So, right, 100%. A um, yep. couple more questions. Uh, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Yeah, we're um, we're kind of reassessing what we need in a few specific areas, including the short-form video and the um, the personal branding stuff that we do, which is all pretty much video based. Um, maybe some more people who could help us with podcasting. That's on my radar for the next three to six months to to really grow those areas um, because that's where our business is growing and we're stretched a little thin in some of those spots. We have a we have a connection for you on that side. Then happy to happy to make awesome. It We'd love to talk uh, to them. And just to, just to say their name, Podcast Chef does our production, and they're amazing. So I had to get awesome. Their name. Can't just say it to you after. I had to I had to get. It. <laughs> uh, last question: Any books, podcasts, or newsletter recommendations? It can be a marketing business; doesn't have to be. Oh wow! Um, the the podcast that I listen to the most, um, outside of my own clients, of course would be the social media marketing podcasts from social media examiner. I, I listen to them religiously. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I think that's the majority of it. I, I don't read a lot of business books. I really don't. I, I read so many blogs and business publications every day that when I have time to actually pick up a book, it's usually something that's, you know, 50 years old at least. So uh, I might have you beat a little bit there. I, I do the good old 2000 year old boring, boring. <laughs> philosophy. So, um, as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to, to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Yeah. The best place to get me is on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn about 20 hours a day. 
Um, so, so reach me there, Jack Munson, M O N S O N. Um, probably the, the fastest place you can catch me. If you want to learn a little bit more about the agency, we are now at brandj.com. Perfect. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you who have learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality guest. And as always, thank you for listening, Jack. Uh, I love this episode. It was something, it was a new topic for us. Um, I think the subject title should honestly, whatever it ends up being on, on franchise should get a lot of interest. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Great connecting with you guys. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.